Hello listeners, uh, Dave Lomas here. I am in currently in Muir Woods, among the redwoods, among the trees. That will make sense in a minute. Now, you are about to peek into our annual vision and prayer talk. We do this every January, but this is the first time in like three years. It's been in my personal favorite format on a separate night outside of Sunday services with a party attached to the front and the back of the evening. Now, if you want to watch the videos that you'll hear in this um, podcast, or if you want to watch the whole the whole talk given, you can go to our website, realitysf.com slash 2022. Now to set some context, it's a cold open, so I typically just walk on stage and get right into it. And then we spend some time in corporate prayer after the keynote. Now this particular evening, there was several prophetic words and even some pretty cool happenings in the room. Now, if you listen to the very end, we've included two of those stories that came out of that prayer time and um, basically how the night ended. So you're going to get the keynote and then how the night ended if you listen to the end. So here you go. I hope if you're part of Reality SF that this talk inspires you to be a deep part of what God is doing here. And if you are listening from outside our community, please pray for us. Without further ado, here's the AVP keynote. Good evening. Well, tonight is the very first time we're doing annual vision and prayer night in like three years. We did one, uh, yeah, we're, we're back here in this, in this format. We love it. We did a Zoom one like in 2021, and then last year we did like a Sunday morning thing that was like horrible, but um, we're here. We're back here now. Now, um, I'm really thankful to be back in this format. Is anyone here for the very first time never been to an annual vision and prayer night before? All right. Whoa. Welcome. That's, that's a lot, lot, lot more than I thought. It's really cool. Um, okay, so uh, this, won't be, this will, won't be different to those people at all, but if you've been to one before, this is going to be a, a, like, feel a lot different. I'm not going to be doing um, like a year in review. I'm not going to look back in this last year and then look forward, like kind of go through all the departments of, of the church. We're going to have a, a year in review out in tomorrow's newsletter for that. Tonight, I want tonight to be kind of a different annual vision and prayer. I think this is the beginning of like a different epoch in the life of our church, a different season, a different time. Tonight, what I want to do, it's a little different. I'm kind of swinging for it here. Uh, Tonight, I want to work on the imagination. I want to work on your imagination and my imagination. I want to imagine. Imagination is so important when you're talking about vision, when you're talking about imagining a better future. I mean, if you can't imagine what this city looks like if the kingdom of God breaks in, how in the world are you supposed to move toward it? We have to imagine. And so I just want to work on the imagination. For people that are very linear tonight, you might be frustrated. You're like, why so many metaphors? We get it with the metaphors. Um, I'm literally living in a metaphor, by the way. You'll see in a second. Um, and uh, we get it. But I, I, really, I really do want to work on your imagination to where you don't see things the same anymore. So allow me to pray, and we'll jump in. Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for those that are here tonight. I'm really encouraged that I think about what I'm gonna say, and I think about the people in the room, and I say, thank you, God, let's do it. And I I really pray that we would get caught up in what you're doing in our moment in history, for your sake and your glory, and not for our name, not for the name of reality, or anything like that. Not for meeting the budget, or for nothing like that. I I pray it's just for your your glory, what you're doing. I, I love for you to make, to do something in our midst to where everyone's like, that was totally God, because there could not have been anyone on staff, because I know the people on staff. I pray you could be saved, it was only God. No one else could have done that, only God. That's what we want. Nothing less than that, God. So please do that in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we jump in tonight, I'm assuming that you've been with us for our vision series, that you heard me teach on a vision for your life, that is to be a disciple, uh, 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 an apprentice under Jesus, and a vision for formation and fire, which is our best take on spiritual formation, and our collective desire to see God move, a vision for our city. I, I'm going to draw heavily on all of these things tonight, especially the city one. So I'm assuming that you have heard all that, and I like, what I like to do tonight is I like to share a very, the very practical outflow of all of that in talking about what it looks like to be rooted in place. That's what I want to talk about tonight, to be rooted in place. Actually, to be more specific, what I need you to see, what I hope that you see is that what you need, like at a human level, 
What you need, what I need, and what this bay needs, what the bay needs, what the Bay Area needs are people who are planted and rooted in place. And then from that place of being planted and rooted and flourishing, rebuilding the ancient ruins. Now, that will make sense as I go on. But let's first start with this building. This building, 1325 Valencia, here's a picture of this building before the sanctuary was built. So this was the very first building that was built. Uh, that's, the, that's the fellowship hall, which we call the Bethel Room now, and the offices, and then everything was built. The plaza wasn't built yet. It was like a parking lot right there, and the entryway, all that stuff. This, was, this building was built in 1952, and the story goes that Bethel Church was started when a, a few elders and leaders from the Swe- a Swedish church went to an Amy Simple McPherson revival meeting in the Western Edition. Amy Simple McPherson, familiar with Foursquare Denomination, She was fire, like literally fire. Now, these leaders were filled with the Holy Spirit, and from that prayer meeting, they started a new church, what they call a full gospel church, because it's full gospel, like not just, like full Holy Ghost, like all of it, all of God, all the gospel, the full gospel. Later, they renamed it Bethel Temple, but after the whole Jim Jones thing, they wisely dropped the temple language, which (laughs) is really good if you know that story. Um, And this church brought the property here that we're at today, this property. The first building, the sanctuary they built was downstairs, which we do call the Bethel Room in their honor. Now here's the thing. They built that bottom sanctuary, that church, that first church with a vision, with a vision for the future. They built that with a vision. These church members not only had the next generation in their wombs at the time, more on that in a second, but they had an eye to see that next generation reached, you and me. So what they did was they built the ceiling of that old building to be the floor of the building we're in today, in faith. So if you notice, look at the, look at the roof. See the, stair, see, the, see the stage I'm standing on right now? Do you see it? See the slope that, that, that slopes up right there where you're sitting? You're sitting on the roof right now. They built the roof knowing we're going we're gonna to build up. We're going to reach the next generation. We're going to build up. Think about that. So they built that, literally the slope of the sanctuary, the stage, everything was a part of the roof of that. They believed they were going to build up. So some 30 years later, they did. This really large building that we're in today, they did a very large building campaign to build this current sanctuary. And when they built this, they designed the building to be a light on the corner of the mission, which is why there's glass in the ceiling, there's glass on the sides. There's glass everywhere that floods in. And when we first moved in, before we kind of tinted the windows a little bit, people wore sunglasses indoors <laughs> on Sunday mornings. Like people that sat right there, just sunglasses. Light floods in in the day and light floods out in the evening. Light goes out. Light. Now hang on to that for a second. Hang on to the word light. I want to take you to Carpinteria, California. The year is 2007. Carpinteria, anyone know where Carp is? Yes, right? <laughs> Um, Ashley and I, my wife, uh, are living there doing a church plant residency program at the very first Reality Church. And we know we're going someplace uh, to plant a church, but at this point in time, we don't know where we're going to plant a church. And one day, I run into Britt, the founder of Reality, and he says, Lomas, you have to call this woman named Angela. She had a dream last night, and I think it might pertain to, like, where you're going to plant a church. And so I call her. He gives me her number, and I call her. I'm like, hi, I'm Dave. I'm like the new guy who's planting a church. I heard you had a dream. She's like, I had a dream, and I never really have these things. I've never done this before in my life, and it's really weird. I guess I'll just tell you what I said because my pastor told me to tell you what I, what I saw. So here it is. I had a dream. And the dream was I was over this very dark city, and the city was San Francisco. And I, I saw this dark presence over the city. It was like when people jump out of a plane and skydive, and they all, like, join hands. It was like a, a, a presence like that. It was a presence that was, um, was like a demonic force over the city. And... Um, and immediately after that, I saw that I was like inside a, a, a church building and church had just ended and it was like a reality church. And all of a sudden the ceiling like broke open and light flooded out of the ceiling. And then the light looked like lights, like, um, like rays of light through the fog. And then these lights turned to butterflies and like these butterflies of light overtook the darkness and then I woke up. She goes, do with that. I don't know what that means. (laughs) So there you go. Well, what Angela didn't know was that I was reading Isaiah 9 just days before uh, she she had this vision. Just days before. Isaiah 9, 2. I got to this verse. It said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, light has dawned. And I read that, and I heard in the smallest voice possible, whisper. I heard a whisper of San Francisco. So I took a pencil, not a pen, (laughs) and I wrote that city at the bottom of my Bible. Right after that, I think that day or the next day, Ashley comes up to me and says, have you been praying about San Francisco? And I had thought she read my Bible. I'm like, why are you reading my Bible? You have your own Bible. Why are you reading my Bible? <laughs> and uh, it's, like my, it's like my personal thing. It's like my journal. You don't read my journal. It's like we, uh, we had this conversation. And um, she goes, no, no, no. No, I didn't read your, your, your journal or your Bible or anything like that. Um, she said, I think God has been putting that city on my heart. So I share all this with Angela over the phone. And I read her the passage, and she starts crying. And I say, you're now forever a part of our story. Okay, so why do I share these stories? What if we're living in a moment where the long and beautiful stream that is Bethel Church and its vision and dream and faithfulness to this place of being a light in a city and the vision we had that sent us here to be a light in a dark place were actually the same dream? And what if we're living in a moment where our young 13-year-old church and dream is joining this very old, established 71-year-old dream? Now, I say what if, but that's rhetorical. I believe that is what's happening right now in our midst. That's what's happening right now. And because that's what I believe is happening, and no place and no church comes without history or identity, I think it's important to learn and hear some of that history and identity from two members of Bethel who have been here a very long time, Lauren and Artis. Lauren was here reading this morning, if you were here. Artis started going to this church when she was in the womb of her mother. I like them to tell their story of this building and become a part of this church from their perspective and words. Here's a video of them. So, Reality, I really do think it's our turn. I think it's our time. Lauren, in his video, used this wonderful metaphor uh, of a runner passing off the baton to the next runner. And I, 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 that runner is us, all of us. But listen, I don't know if you ever ran a, a relay race in elementary school or the Olympics. I don't know where, who, where you're from. Or <laughs> I would imagine maybe someone has. Um, but the runner receiving the baton has to catch up and match the speed somewhat of the runner handing it to them. And the thing is, Lauren and artists are still running. And they're running kind of fast. <laughs> They're still going for it. They're sacrificing. They're still showing up every Tuesday morning for prayer meetings and still serving the food pantry, still serving on Sundays in prayer. We have to catch up and take this baton and run our leg of the race. I think of that scene um, from Dead Poets Society when Robin Williams uh, quotes, uh, his character quotes Walt Whitman. He's standing on, that, on the desk and he says, uh, oh me, oh life, basically asking the question, what is life? And he says, answer, that you are here and that life exists in identity, and that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. Then he says, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? I asked that exact same question in a sermon in 2015. I said, Jesus' church has gone for 2,000 plus years, different iterations, millions of different churches since, and this powerful cosmic play of God goes on and you and I may contribute a verse. Reality, what will our verse be? This inspires me to think about and to dream about and to imagine what will this place, this corner, this mission, this building, this church be to us? Imagine with me the baton being passed to me and to you. What will you do? How will you run your leg of the race? And to answer this question, I think we have to think generationally. They did. Remember from last week, farmers, not miners, they are our living examples. They live among us now. And I think we have to learn from them. Because church, I believe it's our time to pray and build and to sacrifice and to give and to root down here. It's our time to see the gospel of Jesus be carried through to the next generation through us that we think generationally. And we don't just think about our children, we think about their children as well in San Francisco enduring. So the big question is this, how will this happen? What will this take from us? And to try to shape your imagination, because that's what I'm trying to do tonight, around how this will happen and what this will take, I want to place an image in your mind. And it's an image of trees. 
Now, this is the very famous angel oak tree in Charleston, North Carolina. Anyone seen this tree before? It's one of my goals to see this tree. A lot of a few of you. Why trees? I want, this, I want this image to be like seared into your mind and your imagination. Why trees? I want to try to show you that people are like trees. So to do that, I want to do a little Bible tangent, a little Bible nerd tangent really quick. Genesis chapter 1, creation. Ch- uh, days 1, 2, and 3 are written to map over days 4, 5, and 6. So day 1, you have light. Day 4, you have sun, moon, and stars. You're like, well, how's the light? For the first uh, three days, uh, God's glory, which in Revelation it says there will be no need for sun, moon, uh, or stars because God's glory will light the place. So that's what's lighting the place at the very beginning. But day four, God makes sun, moon, and stars to light the place. And then day two, he makes water and sky, and that maps over day five because he makes swimming things and flying things. Does that make sense? Are you guys following? Day three, he makes trees that have seed and bear fruit. And day six, he makes humans that have seed and bear fruit. Now, if you're reading this carefully, my friend Tim Mackey from the Bible Project says, one of the things you're supposed to see is that people are like trees. You're supposed to notice this and think deeply about this. Think about what this means and see how this unfolds in Scripture, how to live in light of it. You're supposed to meditate on this. Now, this actually goes deeper in Genesis chapter 2. Trees in Genesis chapter 2 in the Garden of Eden are made from the ground, the Adama, and bear fruit. Humans are made from the ground, the Adama, and are to bear fruit or be fruitful. Not only that, but we're introduced to two specific trees in the Garden of Eden. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. So if in the garden there is a tree that is life and a tree that leads to death... And if people are like trees, we can expect that as we read the scriptures, we'll find people like this too. People who bring life and people who bring testing and death. Or said in developed language throughout the Bible later on, the righteous and the wicked. Because people are like trees. Trees and humanity's destiny is forged in Genesis 1. And this narrative theme will be developed throughout the Bible until... You get to Jesus, who redeems humanity's failure with a tree by hanging on a tree. And then, of course, you get to the New Jerusalem. We see tree of life, the tree of life, or trees of life, actually. And it says that their leaves are for the healing of the nations. People are like trees. Are you with me? And we're supposed to meditate on this. We're supposed to contemplate this. We're supposed to think deeply about this. So scripture kind of builds and culminates. You get to Psalm chapter 1. And actually Psalm chapter 1 is contrasting the righteous and the wicked. And the person who delights and meditates on God's word and his instructions and his ways and does not step in line with the the wicked. It says this in verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. What's interesting in Psalm 1 is that it seems to be describing the tree of life in Genesis 2. It's saying that the righteous person who's connected to God, who's planted and rooted, becomes like a tree of life, giving life to others through fruitfulness. You become like a tree of life. Then, Jeremiah 17, says that the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, verse 8 They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So always fruiting, always green. Again, we're supposed to think of the tree of life here. This person is planted and stable and there's a sustainable life source nearby and it sends out its roots, this life store. It's rooted deep into the ground and this person is resilient and flourishes and is fruitful. Then Psalm 92. It's another contrast to the righteous and the wicked and the wicked are like grass and the righteous. The wicked are like grass in this, in this analogy in Psalm 92, which is interesting because grass like springs up and goes away, springs up and goes away, springs up and goes away. It's like a little transience there, but whatever, I'm not going to read too much into it. And then Psalm 92, verse 12, it says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. 
they will still bear fruit in old age. David McKinney read me this verse right before we started and started crying right here. This is beautiful. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Now, bearing fruit in old age does not mean having children necessarily, David McKinney. Um, <laughs> it's about your, how your life choices keep bearing fruit even into old age. Now, what are we learning here? We, we can be people who are like trees of life. People or a forest of people who are planted in God, who are stable and rooted and resilient, offering shade and fruit and even healing, branching out and bringing life to the city and the world. In his New York Times bestselling book, The Hidden Life of Trees, Peter, uh, Peter Wollobin uh, has given me so much to meditate on as it pertains to this. This is a, an amazing book. You should buy it just to keep next to your bed and read it as you go to sleep because it's so fun. Did you know, I kept following my wife around this week. I'm like, did you know about, did you know, did you know, like all these things about trees? She's like, really? Um, did you know that trees, when they get rooted and established in the ground, their root system connects and intertwines, making it possible for them to communicate to each other? Someone's, yes, you've read this book. Actually, not only to communicate to each other, to protect each other and even heal each other. He writes about in his book that when a tree doesn't have leaves or is damaged and can't do its own photosynthesis, other trees provide the nutrients they need so they don't die through their root system. And this is because trees need each other. Trees need other trees. It's true that young trees have to compete for sunlight, but once they get, that tree gets established and rooted into the ground and has a good root system, it gets interconnected with the other trees and the forest needs them to survive. Trees together create an ecosystem and even a microclimate. And every tree matters in this. They together keep the forest floor a certain temperature. They share nutrients when the soil they are rooted in is not equal. Because some, some trees get planted in soil that's stony or loose, and, and some get planted in soil that's, that's really like too much, holds too much water or is too dry or nutrient dense or barren. And Wollobin says that it seems that when they're all planted in different places, that trees synchronize their performance so that they are all equally successful. They do that by equalizing the, dis the difference between the strong and the weak. And he says, quote, this equalization is taking place underground through the roots. So when trees get established and rooted, they get interdependent to one another and they all need each other to survive. I just want us to pause and consider a few implications of this. When we call you to stability and rootedness, will we emphasize community here at Reality and call you to examine your own personal autonomy and freedom for the sake of community? We're not saying it because it sounds good. Or like, I like to tell my friends that we have a lot of people in small groups, that's not why we do it. Or that it's financially beneficial, that's not why we do it. We say it and we call you to it because that's what you need for a life that is really life. For a good and flourishing life in God and with each other, you need this. We need to be rooted in a community that can bring healing to us when we are hurt. Amen. We need to be rooted in a community where we can bring healing to others when they are hurt. And if we've been in a forest for a long time, like a very mature tree, you know who you are, we need to share what we have learned and what we are learning with others. And to use the example of a metaphor of trees, um, all this can only really happen if they're rooted. This only really happens when they're rooted. And they're interconnected to others who are rooted. And once you are rooted, it's not about your own survival. It's about the ecosystem. It's about the forest. That's what it becomes about. It becomes about the forest. And this is how I want you to think about our church in this next season. This is how I want your imagination to be shaped in the next season. We are like trees, and we make up a forest. An interdependent group of people who root themselves here to create an ecosystem of life for our city. We are not here for ourselves, and we are not even just here for the ecosystem. We're here for what the ecosystem gives to the city. Do you understand that? 
That's what we're here for. You're not here for you to get religious goods and services. You are not here just to become a part of this ecosystem because you think this ecosystem is great. You're here for what this ecosystem can become and what this ecosystem gives to the life of the world. And this is how I want you to think about things. We can be like trees in the life of this city. We can also make this church and the roots of this building and the congregation that houses it a kind of place where people from all over can come to receive what great forests and trees give people. Perspective, life, a sense of being connected to something way bigger than themselves, and ultimately, their creator God. I see our church, and when I say church, I mean people and the place, as being a microcosm of that great prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in SF, as it is in heaven. I want you to imagine the kingdom breaking into the city, and I want people to imagine the kingdom breaking into the city when they walk up the steps of this church. By the way it looks, by the way the architecture speaks, Reward this morning said, he quoted that very famous line, you make the building and then the buildings make you. This is really important. What this building does and how it's laid out speaks to what we hold dear, true, and believe about the world. And I want people to experience a little preview of God's future and what it will be like when they encounter our congregation, when people of influence and people of no influence alike experience people planted here, rooted here for something bigger and greater than themselves. And for this to happen, we have to build some things together. I think it's time to rebuild after this past season of COVID and to rebuild now that we're in this new place, reality, we're in this place now where we hope to grow our roots really deep here. To use another metaphor, it's the trees that need to build. The trees need to build. Now, let me explain that because that's really weird. People have given me this word for years and not until last week did I really feel like God gave me this word. Isaiah 61. Now, this is familiar to you because Jesus quotes this when he begins his public ministry. He says, The Spirit of the Lord, the Sovereign Lord, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus' ministry, and this is the ministry of anyone who follows Jesus, right? This is, this, this is the ministry of Jesus. Then it goes on to say this, the very next verse, verse 3. They will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, for his glory. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now, this is where the forest imagery turns a little Middle Earth right here. Because people who do the building here are the ones who are planted by the Lord. They're the oaks of righteousness, a forest of oaks of righteousness, who have received life from Jesus and are sent out in the same way to do the ministry of Jesus. It's the rooted trees that do the building. See, I believe what you need at a human level and what the, the Bay Area needs are people who are planted and rooted in place by the Lord for his glory. And from that place, rebuild this city, yes. this city with God's future city in mind. That's how we need to be thinking. That's how we need to start imagining. Imagine with me our church, this building and beyond, being a grove, a forest of rooted trees, an ecosystem that is here to bring life to the Bay Area. Imagine what we can do to this place. Imagine what we can do as we're all sent from this place to live out a root of call in our homes and our neighborhoods setting up other ecosystems all over the place through CGs and friendships and raising our kids together. Imagine if we're known as a group of people who were here for the flourishing of our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends. It's not just about our flourishing, but about their flourishing. Like trees, we're not just here for us. We are here for the flourishing of others. This is exactly what Jeremiah 29 talks about. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, the flourishing of the city, because if it flourishes, you flourish. Now, the way we become this is through sacrifice and commitment. There's no other way. This will cause us to sacrifice. This will cause us to commit. 
Now, I don't want to get too concrete on what this looks like because I want, I want to work on your imagination. And I believe there can be way more dreams out there than I can ever dream up or a staff could ever dream up. Like, out here, there's dreams out here that need, to be, that need to be called in up out of, like, your mind and your imagination of what the kingdom of God can look like breaking into the city, and you need to go do those, those dreams. But to name a few things that this might look like and to give a few concrete things, I do want to land this somewhere. So let me give you a few things that, to jog your imagination a bit. Naomi Lau, our children's pastor, shared a story a few days ago on Slack, in our Slack, uh, staff Slack story channel. And she, we're talking about stories from, uh, about AVP and all this other stuff, and she said that she remembers her husband Alex and her, uh, along with other Reality San Francisco members, when they served at the New Grand, a single resident occupancy building with four floors of residence on the corner of Turk and Taylor. And because of her and her community's positive relationship with the property manager, she said, we had the unique and unusual freedom to convert this building's storage space into a living communal space where we hosted weekly Wednesday night Bible studies for that, for that building and hosted barbecues in the parking lot on Sundays to do a church service with residents. We even held a praise and worship night with the residents on the rooftop. She said, it got shut down when the, when the building, like either, I forget, changed owners or like they had to kick them out. Something happened. And I, I just said, do it again, Lord. Like, stoke our imagination like that again. Do it again. In our community, we have some families who desire to live out rootedness in the city tangibly through participating in foster care because of headlines like this. They become certified resource family that can engage with the most vulnerable people in the city through foster care. These kids have no choice in their circumstances and for some reason are removed from their families and by opening up homes, and we have a lot of foster families at this church, we give opportunity to vulnerable San Francisco citizens to grow, receive love, and flourish and not have to leave their, their hometown. Because, as it says there, like a piece of luggage, SF sends away more foster kids than any county in California. And this can go on. We can talk about houselessness and what this might stoke your imagination around that. It might be like meeting of the minds. Like I think I've been, like I've been, I said a few weeks ago, I've been reading the book on the Inklings and these really brilliant people just get together and they reimagine uh, how to re-enchant the West with a Christian imagination. And so out of there comes books that we read and that shape the imagination of the West. There can be that. That can, that can be stoked in this city. This could be a jail ministry in San Francisco. This could be a sport. Someone came up to me about the sports ministry idea. This let your imagination go wild. Think, what, what does it look like for the kingdom of God to, to break in? What does that look like? It also might look like a partnership with this neighborhood and how we can see things that are already rooted in place here. You know there's all kinds of roots here already. You know that. There's all kinds of things happening in this neighborhood already before we ever got here. And one of the things that's been really fun for our staff, specifically Lindsay, who I'll bring up in a second, is learning the ways that God is kind of already on the move before we got here. And so I actually would love for her to, sh- to come up and share how our root systems can get connected with other root systems to take the metaphor way too deep. So Lindsay Barrios, our justice and outreach pastor, would you welcome Lindsay? Hello, hello. Yeah, I am really excited about this because it's about, I mean, what we're talking about is how we can be rooted here for the flourishing of our city, of our neighborhood, that it is, it is more than just us, right? And that's, that's what we're, I want to talk a little bit about specifically how we do that, how we root and in a way that we can branch out here on this corner at 1325 Valencia. And as Dave was saying, and as we heard from Lauren and Artis, like this has been happening. Like we are stepping into a story that God is already writing, right? God is already at work and it's our turn. And this is the moment that we, you and I, get to step into that work as well, right? On this corner in this place. So one of the things that that means and that we wanna talk about is what does it look like for us as a church, as a family, to grow roots in our neighborhood here? In this like few blocks of the mission. So one of the ways that we're doing that is going deeper and narrower so we can be a place of shade in our neighborhood. So we really 
have this like vision for a really hyper local, like what's happening right here? How do we be part of that? Using our building for this ministry as we've gone from being this mobile church that pops up in Everett and disappears again, um, or you know, live streams from Swedish to this huge space on a corner in a place that is meant to be a lighthouse. How, you know, how do we use that? How do we steward that well? In this immediate neighborhood, especially for the poor and marginalized, which there are lots of people in our neighborhood who are struggling. And we also have this desire to move um, from kind of a place of outsourcing. We've previously, again, we were kind of a pop-up church, right? Young church plant. And so one of the ways that we've been engaged in justice and service is by funding other people to do it. And some of those people are in this room and they do it and we love you for it. And what about the rest of us? And so one of our, our hopes and goals as the Justice and Outreach Ministry and as a church is to start looking at what does it look like to activate our church, our whole church, for impact in the city. Yeah, thank you. Someone was excited about it, thanks. And this is a time where we feel like we need to focus in and be more directly involved as a church in this work. So part of this shift, we're redirecting some funding for strategic collaborations and partnerships in our local area. So what are some of the ways that we're doing this now? As Dave said, there's so many ways and I wanna hear your dreams and there's so many ways we can be doing this, but there are a couple ways we're already engaged. So I wanna just share with you guys what's going on. So first, the food pantry. This is something, yeah, there's a few of you that show up. There, this is something that I really feel like is this beautiful picture because it is both inherited Bethel started this. It's a, it's a ministry that we showed up and we're like, okay, I guess we're doing that you know, now that we're here. And it feels like the first fruits of something that we have and can be in this neighborhood. Um, to be using this building as a lighthouse and as a haven for our neighbors in need. So we hold, just so you know, in case you don't, we hold a farmer's market style pantry um, every Saturday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Um, in the garage in this building. And it's beautiful. People come, it's a partnership with the SF Marin Food Bank. They bring in fresh produce, protein, and, and people come through and we hand out food. And what's amazing is that mostly, first of all, mostly we serve our immediate neighbors. Most people that come through live like blocks away. And we have a lot of seniors, a lot of immigrants, new arrivals um, that are coming through our garage every week. And we've gone, uh, so a year and a half ago, we moved into this building, and we were serving around 65 households a week. And since then, we've grown to about 135 households. Yeah. And it's, it's really beautiful. And I, there's also, we have 95 volunteers regularly serving and nine volunteer pantry coordinators who like run it all. Good shout out for them. And what's so beautiful about it is the community and the relationships that are forming. So I wanted to share a few stories just to kind of give you a picture of what can happen in these kinds of spaces when we open our doors, when we make space to connect with our neighbors and, and let them give to us too. So one, um, this summer, one woman showed up, a new neighbor to the neighborhood, and she was just distraught. She was fleeing a controlling relationship. And one of our coordinators asked, like, can I pray for you? She's like, well, if God's a man, I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. And over the course of coming regularly to this pantry, building a few really deep relationships with volunteers, she reunited with her son. She started, even joined the, prayer, the team at the end to pray at the end of our time. And it's just been this really beautiful example of like, this is more than food. This is more than just a handout or something like that. This is a place of relationship and growth, a place of home and family and of sharing life together. And it's, it's super beautiful. Another person, there's also been like those fluke people that come by and uh, we had one guy come by months after the harvest party and was like, oh, I hear you're handing out clothes. And we're like, oh, not right now, we were, but uh, so, you know, ideas for those of you who want to do it, but um, we, in, but some of our pantry coordinators were there, because it was Saturday morning, 
And so they're like, oh no, but you can come on in. We're about to like pray at the end of our time. And this guy just like jumps in, shares his heart. They pray with him, pray together in this space. And he's like, I, I want to bring my family to church. And, and it's just like because we were there, you know, and it was open on a Saturday morning and available to him. Another guy I ran into who's part of the, there's a group that hangs out on our, our stoop on our corner. Most of you probably have met some of them. And so I met one of the guys one day and I was like, hey, uh, what's going on? Like I work here. You know, if you need anything, let me know. And he ended up coming later. And I was like, wait, I don't have a meeting. Who's here? And, uh, and I, he was like, oh, yeah, what do you have? And we talked a little bit. And I was like, well, you can come to the food pantry if you want on Saturday. And he came. I found out later. I wasn't there. And he showed up. And as he was going, one of the coordinators was like, hey, like, you know, is there something we can be praying for you about? And he was like holding this big box of fresh produce. And was like, thank God for this food I'm holding right here. And it's just so, like, sweet to have these moments of connection with people. And it's not just about us giving to them, too. Like, our neighbors are serving us. They're coming. On Christmas Eve, there was a couple of really sweet things. This um, one guy who's a regular participant came with his guitar, and he sang Christmas carols and, like, brightened in Spanish and, like, brightened up the whole, like, space. This other woman who we don't even know if she was, like, I don't know that she's a participant. She just, like, knew a neighbor, knew that we were doing this, and... Um, came at like 6.30 in the morning, sat in the cold, in the rain, waiting, and had all these homemade tamales that she brought for all of the volunteers to eat. And just like sweet moments of like people knowing each other, you know? And this is a space that we're beginning to cultivate that. And we're really excited in this coming year to expand. Like how do we make this place more hospitable, trying to expand to places of you know, just coffee and tea and conversation, but also that creative dreaming of like, what else, what else can we do in this space to connect with our neighbors and, and meet each other and love each other in real ways? So that's one thing we're really excited about, and we need your prayers. Please pray. Um, and also we need more volunteers to continue to expand that. So it's just sharing kind of some of the ways that these things are happening in this place, and we want to like go deeper. Another thing is that as a church, we have historically been very committed to schools. You know, we've been connected, obviously, to Everett Middle School. We were meeting there and have this heart for young people and, like, the next generation. And we have a really exciting, we're forging a really exciting new partnership with our next-door neighbors who are literally across the street, um, which is Buena Vista Horace Mann School. And this is a K-8 through eight, uh, school. I won't tell you too much about them, but uh, you'll hear in a minute but you, they are doing amazing things. And you, if you're sitting in this room and you gave to the year-end campaign, you have already invested in this partnership. So thank you very much. You're going to hear more about where your investment go, went in a minute. Um, but we have this opportunity to deepen our commitment to be generous, not only with our funds, but also with our time. So this is a school. It's more than a school. And we want you guys to hear more about it from them in their own words. Um, we as a staff, like Dave and I, were so inspired about what they're doing. And we want you guys to know more about it. So we're going to watch a video to hear from them directly. Yeah, so we're super excited. These are our next door neighbors. Like I said, when you walk out the door today, please, like, I don't know if you could see from the, you know, from their schoolyard, you can see our building, right? It's right there. Um, they're our neighbors, and they're doing incredible work in, in difficult places with, that is, like, deeply, deeply rooted. The Jamestown Community Center that runs the before and after school program, they, like, their whole board was born and raised in San Francisco. They, it's like a model where a bunch of students who are already students are the ones who are, like, mentoring uh, who, are, who are previously students, mentoring students in there. So they're doing incredible work. They're the first in the nation to of any pu like public school to have a stayover program, to have a shelter in the school. Um, so it's really, really exciting. And also there's a lot of need. I mean, they had families and kids that go to the school across the street that had no place to sleep. And that's why they have this program, right? So we have this in our backyard. We want to be committed to not just the flourishing of each other and this space, but the flourishing of our neighborhood and our community. And we get to start right here. Um, so we have already blown them. I mean, they were so thrilled um, for this huge donation that we were able to give them because of your generosity. So massive like trust building way to get involved and what if we could blow them away with an outpouring of love from supportive adults who can show up so I just encourage you to like consider being generous with your time 
um, I think, you know, it's, it's easy to get excited and be like, yes, it's so exciting. And then you're like, mm, my schedule's really full. <laughs> so I just encourage you to think about it. Like, are there things you can move? Like, can you, are you willing to sacrifice some of your time, shift, shift some of those things, and, and make space to invest um, here? So I just encourage, uh, encourage you to do that. Dave's going to share some asks at the end, but just... Just like ask God, like what is he stirring in you? Whether it's here, whether it's something else, whether there's another dream, but, but be, be willing to do the things that maybe are a little harder than we sometimes want to do. So thank you guys. Yeah, that's, um, when we met with them, we were so impressed by them. And we were in the middle of the meeting, we were like, can we give you money? They're like, sure. I'm like, can we give you $100,000? They're like, what? It was really bad. Um, okay, a couple of things that we're, a few things that we're, we're trying to build. Um, the, one of the things that we uh, feel like we're going to be building this year, or we feel we need to be building this year, is really a, a, a place for evangelism in our church. And it feels like, uh, especially our generation, I would say our, I don't know if you're probably not in my generation, but um, this generation, we really don't do evangelism that well because we think all evangelism is proselytizing. And you're not allowed to do that, and it's like offensive and wrong, and so we're just really, really freaked out about it. So we really want to start leaning into this because we think it's really the, 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 the thing that Jesus left us on this earth to do is to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Um, we're going to be doing that through a few different ways. One of them is we're going to be starting, uh, actually, uh, Jess, Pastor Jessica, and I will be starting Alpha this year. So we do an Alpha out of our church this year. And uh, if you don't know what Alpha is, Alpha is this really fruitful, like, God-given sort of like curriculum that people go through that are very curious about faith and just ask questions. It's a place to host questions and to have uh, share a, a beer or a meal at the church. And sometimes it gets to be hundreds of people in a room and ask, asking questions about the faith because people that are curious about uh, the Christian faith. And so that's a space that we're going to ask you to invite a friend or bring a friend or a, something like that that you've been talking to and praying for. Um, also, we're going to be creating kind of neutral spaces. Now, we, we, we love being here. We're going to spend a lot of, like, energy in this building to make this building, like, a place of, like, our, our home, where, where the place that we serve the city from, the place that we're sent out from. But we also know that neutral spaces in the city are really important, part of our history, uh, part of, like, um, part of, like, what we, what, how we started in the church. We just were able to show up and do church in different random places. And so we're going to be leaning into two different ways of ha doing church in neutral spaces. We'll start this Christmas with, like, we're going to try to find a very large pub or a bar to do Christmas and carols with your friends. So you bring your friends, and we just, like, pack out a bar and drink some beer and sing Christmas carols in just this neutral space. Also, we're going to be doing um, next year, not this year, we're, we're going to try to do Easter in a neutral space. We won't have enough space in this room. Even if we did four services, which we won't do. Um, uh, so next year, we're praying about going back to the Opera House for um, Easter Sunday. So um, just neutral spaces where, and Alpha supporting this, we want to start leaning into, into this as a church. And um, other thing we're building, um, and I, I, I talk about rootedness a lot, and you have to understand, like, um, you're rooted until God tells you to move. And when God tells you to move, it's like a big deal. It's like... It's like mentioned that Abraham was called to leave because it was a big deal to leave. Like you were, you stayed with your people and you stayed, but God called him to leave. So we know that's, that's a thing. Like God sends people out. And um, we wouldn't be here if God didn't send, uh, a church didn't send us here to plant this church. So we are going to be starting this year a pastoral residency program to plant churches. Um, and we'll, we believe in being rooted, but we will also believe that seeds need to be sent out for new growth. And so uh, Pastor Mike, Mike, who's our new um, executive pastor, he is going to be leading with me a pastoral residency. We will bring on about two to three pastoral residents at a time. We'll spend about two to three years with them, and then we'll send them out to revitalize a church because churches have been obliterated in COVID or plant a church. Um, and uh, we actually have uh, our first one with us now, uh, Sergio Gomes. Who is Sergio here? Sir, I know he's here. Where is he at? Is he here? Where? Oh my gosh, there he is, back there. Sergio. You'll get to know Sergio. He's on staff. He's our pastoral resident, and um, he'll be with us 
uh, for about two to three years, and then we get to send them out to plant, revitalize a church, and we're really, really stoked about this program. So we want to invest in church plants. We've always believed in that. We really want to put like a little bit more than just finance into it. We want to take people, and, and we believe that this, this ecosystem can uh, support church planting, so we want to do that. Also, what we're going to be kind of leaning into this year is a, a deeper prayer culture, um, this is something that has been a part of our church since day one. Last, week, last year we did a prayer series. This next year we're going to be doing 24-7 prayer. And so we'll be starting a 24-7 prayer in our prayer chapel. Um, we're also, uh, Lord willing, going to be hosting a, like a Holy Spirit conference um, towards the end of the year. And we also have these like really cool like spontaneous prayer meetings that have started just by, ran- by a couple of leaders in our church. They just like 100 people on a Sunday night. Um, they're taking a break in February, so don't ask about it, but they'll be back. <laughs> and um, it's insane. I went to one album, it's like, and we did, Tyler and I just went to it just, just to see. It was insane. It was just like the prayer culture in our church. We just want to stoke it. We just want to say yes, or we want to like lean into like if this, I, I kind of felt like at the end of last year, going into this year, we were like, we're like right, God's like re- renewal's right there, rev- awakening, rev- whatever is right there. Will you reach out and grab it? And I want to be just like, yeah, we want to reach out and grab it. And we're not just doing this. There's all kinds of other churches, churches down the street that I was just down there praying with pastors down there last two weeks ago. There's a prayer movement happening in our city because I really believe there's going to be uh, like an inbreaking of, of God in the city like we've not seen before soon. So we're going to lean into that. Also, <clears throat> something that we're going to be rebuilding is this building. We're going to be rebuilding 1325 Valencia. Now, I don't know what that looks like yet, so don't ask me questions. <laughs> But here's what I know. This building, I, I call this the ABCs of why we need to think about renovating this building. Access, beauty, and capacity. So access, this building is not ADA compliant at all. If you are someone who uh, needs a wheelchair or if you have a stroller, just try a stroller. When you have a stroller, you realize ADA is like a thing. It's like a real thing. How do you get over there with wheels? This, 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 this the, the slope here is, is too steep for ADA. You can't get to the educational building. You can't get to the second floor or third floor unless you're able-bodied. You can't get to certain parts of the plaza unless you're able-bodied. It is not ADA compliant, and we want for this, this building to have access to anyone who wants to come here. So we have to deal with that. We have, that that's going to cost a lot of money to bring our church up to code. This is why churches just like just stay the same and don't ever do anything because the second you touch something, you trigger all these, these code violations. Like, let's just stay the same. But I don't think we want to do that. I think we actually want to, to let, like, have access, let everyone have access to this building. The other thing is beauty. Now, beauty is not superfluous. Remember in the Garden of Eden, it says that God made some trees beautiful to look at. He just made them because they're beautiful to look at. That, that is like the intention. That was like their function was to be beautiful. Beauty is, we need beauty in this, in, this, in this part of the mission, in this city. And I think our building is to find a clear identity. We need to find a clear identity for this building, one that has the right tone of voice for this neighborhood and for our community, our church, that both inspires our kids and congregants to imagine the kingdom of God when they walk inside of it, while also making it accessible to everyone in the city in this neighborhood. We want this to be a place that people gather that allows everybody in the city to weave this building and what it houses into their lives regardless of their spiritual background. And so there's all kinds of things that we want to do in this building that actually will stoke the imagination of the kingdom of God breaking in. This is what the temple was, was made to do. This is what, like, this is what church, like, old churches were made to do. Like, I would love our church to get back to the way... Um, the way where churches were sacred. They weren't just a building painted black for high production. They were beautiful and they inspired. We were just in Oxford, went to all the old churches, and you're like, no wonder Alice in Wonderland and uh, Lord of the Rings and Lion the Winter Wardrobe, all this stuff was written here. Look at, you just, you're steeped in imagination in here. And then we just, we kind of completely removed it from the church context. Beauty, art, imagination is stripped from our consciousness. And I think we need to reimagine, we need to re-enchant uh, this generation of what, it, what, what the kingdom of God can look like. I, I'll, I'll do a whole series on this, so don't, don't worry about it, just move on. And glass to see is capacity. This church building is very underutilized. It's maxed out right now, and it can actually seat a lot more. If you're in a balcony, you're like, why is there this giant row between the rows? Why don't we put chairs there? 
There's all kinds of ways that this church is so underutilized with space, and we need, we, we have a lot of people that are coming through this building, and we need it to reach its capacity and use every part of this building that's underutilized. And so, I don't know what that looks like, what a campaign looks like, all that stuff. I, I think we need to call on the church, like, how are we going to do this together? That's what I think we need to do, more on that in a second. Now, we're going to start, though, we did a fundraising campaign last year that we haven't done yet because I, we paused it for, for a few reasons, but we want to start with the plaza. Now, last year, I showed you this rendering of the plaza. This is what uh, our architects and our landscape architect came up with. Notice the grove of trees in the front? Just a little nod, just saying. Um, <laughs> Now, this is not exactly what it'll look like. This is just a rendering. It's not the final final, but I would like to see a team assembled from our church that can help find what this design needs to best fit into this neighborhood. So if, that, if you're out there, if something in your heart goes, oh my gosh, this is my moment, it is your moment. <laughs> my hope is to make this church a place and not a place, not a non-place in the city. I want this church to be a place. So this will be like a case study for placemaking of a church in a city. Like, how do we make a, this, a, a church, a building, like an actual place that people go to, that people that are not even spiritual go to, people that not even want to go to the church go to? This place becomes this kind of space in the city. Imagine all that can take place in here and from here. Now, one last thing I'll say before we're done and we move on to prayer is that if you here, and you hear me talking about rootedness and all this other stuff, and you're like, I'm all rooted. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. What, what, what? The thing that I, I really feel led to tell you is, if you are rooted here, and there's so many of you that are, and when I say this, you're like, I'm already here, I think what we need to do, and I'll put myself in this, is to find, name, and fulfill your ministry here. Like, what is it that you're here for? Some of it has to do with raising a family here or being a part of a community here, being part of God's mission here. But also, can you get hyper-specific on that? This is why God's placed me here in this city, and I want to fulfill my ministry. I'm going to do that here. I'm going to do that until God says, you've, you've fulfilled your ministry here. Now, here's some, some needs that we have, some asks. I want to end with this. First of all, to pray. I'm going to start asking you to, if you drive here, to park a few blocks away and prayer walk your way into the building. Like, pray for this city, pray for this neighborhood, pray for a church as you walk into this building. If you walk to church on Sunday, you're already there. You're halfway there. <laughs> pray. If you ride a bike, walk it. If you take, you know, you get it. Like, just walk into this, walk a few blocks and pray as you walk in. Also, we need you to start, okay, so a story. In 2013, at AVP in 2013, at the Cal Theater, maybe you were there, at the end of the presentation, I said, okay, we have like, Tark, was it $50,000 or something? We have $50,000 in benevolence. And I was like, we need to get that money out. And it's like kind of like bottlenecked in the staff. So would you please choose among yourselves people that could be on like a benevolence team to get money out to people who need it? And then a, a team emerged, and it's like one of, the, one of my favorite teams at our church, the benevolence team, and what they do, and the ministry they do. We need a lot more of that. So we have all kinds of needs, and we, I would like for you to like choose from among yourselves. Raise your hand, not right now, but like digitally raise your hand, because I'm going to give you a QR code in a second, that I want to be a part of this team. I want to be part of that team you're talking about, like the architecture and design team. I want to be part of that team. The ADA team, how do we bring this up to code? How do we actually make this place beautiful? How do we raise the money to make this place beautiful? Like that sort of thing. Join that team. If it's the, if it's the, the generosity and development team, if it's a, 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 a team to, like, um, uh, to jump into like leadership and organizational health in our organization, you're like, I can really do that. We, we are looking for people to maybe, uh, in the video, Lauren Artist was talking about how when the church was built, everyone pitched in. Like everyone brought their hammer, they swept, they, they painted, they, like, they did it. If you walk around with people who've been here forever, they'll tell you, I built that. I laid that wall, that floor right there. Like, they, they literally did that. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to let you do that at this church, so it's not going to happen. We'll hire professionals for that. But this, because you probably don't know how to do it. They did then, but you don't. Um, this is where, this is where you're like, the brain trust comes in. This is what you're good at, right? This stuff is what you do. So when I say these teams, generosity and development, finances, like debt service and audits and all this other stuff, and architecture and design and HR and salary review and compliance and leadership, like all that, you're like, yes, 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 I can do that. I cannot, I don't even know how to use a screwdriver, but I can do that. Then we need you to do that. 
This is, I think, how we're going to rebuild here. So this is what I, I need you to, to literally take this seriously and sign up. Here's a QR code. Also, sign up for Buena Vista Horace Man or sign up for the food pantry. I don't want this to end by you just go sign up for something. But I kind of do, but I kind of don't. I want you to do this. Imagine what it would be like. Imagine. So just do it. You can just do it really quick. Also go to realitysf.com slash rooted. I want to end moving to a time of prayer now. This is vision and prayer. So we're going to spend a few moments praying. My hope is that this, this would be a place that's like a forest of trees of righteousness planted here that become an ecosystem of life, not just for this corner, but for the city. If you know anything about forests, they, they kind of like take care of the whole planet. And when people say, what is that community like on that corner? What is that community like that has a lot of people going in and out of it on a Sunday and it seems like it's open throughout the week? And when people say what this community is like, I pray that it would be said that, we're, that, that that community is like a life-giving forest that you can come under its shade and be nourished by the fruit of their life. And it's like an ecosystem over there that brings life and renewal to the city. When people see this building, they think of that. When people eventually see those trees in the front and the access they have to this place, I pray that they think of that. So Lord, I thank you. And I pray that this would happen, Lord. I, I, I think we can all say we can probably live almost anywhere else. And it'd be way easier. If we're going to live, live here in this time, I pray it'd be, it'd be for something and not just for ourselves, God. Every single time I am like frustrated or even tempted to, to move, I think what am, it actually makes me root down here more in a, in a stubborn way to like, if I'm gonna stay here, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna just do this for me and comfort and this is going to be for God's glory because there's no other reason to stay here. God's glory in a place, in a time that has historically not seen revival. Every other city, Lord, has seen revival. Every other major city in America, do it here, God. Bring like a revival through this place that people write about. They're like, what is happening there? And don't just do it through this church. Do it through the churches in San Francisco. Do it to what not one church gets the glory. Do it at different hotspots all over the city. Save people, Lord. Bring people and call people to yourself. In Jesus' name. All right. I had, there's a couple of uh, words that people gave, but um, I don't have time for a ton of them, but I really want uh, Eric to share this word that he had a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. It was about like, Maybe a month or two ago? Yeah. So it was during worship, and I actually didn't think about this until about halfway through when you're really nailing down that tree I, analogy. I, I was, I, were you sitting, where were you sitting? Like right there? Yeah, right I here. kept on seeing you, like, look at me with, like, intensity. So Yeah, because it, it just came now I get to it. me. I'm 6'5", so that okay, okay, yeah, that, that. Big head, 6'5". Um, but a couple months ago, it's happened twice during the second set of worship where I just kind of had this vision of the first time I was, like, had hands out. And it was, instead of it being like a vision where it was just like me, it was one of those moments where I like looked out and it was happening to all of us. And we had hands out and um, there were seeds that were coming out. It was like, kind of like the Spirit sending out seeds and they were landing in our palms and they were sprouting up branches. <laughs> and then the second time this happened in like, a, I think a different week too, um, it was just like, felt more of like a flooding of an anointing and it was like raindrops falling and it was anywhere the raindrops touched us, branches were coming out and we were like turning into little trees. <laughs> and we, it was one of those moments of not just like, oh, this is amazing for me, but we were like turning to one another and like looking at fruit hanging from one of another and like grabbing them. And it was just like this collective, like amazing experience. So I, I just, that was amazing. You need I had no idea. Thank you. That's so good. Also, uh, Tarek came up to me and I guess when we were meeting, the power went out everywhere except for here. I cannot, I'm not making this up. Show me a map everywhere except for like right here. So we're like a lighthouse, like for legit. 
All right. God, we thank you for uh, what we get to get caught up in. And I pray that we would leave feeling like we did get caught up into something that is bigger than us, that is broader than us, that is way before us, and we get to be caught in its flow. And I pray that we would um, let go of the things we need to let go of to be uh, caught up in your flow and what you were doing um, and be taken to where you want us to be taken. Thank you for this evening. Shape our imaginations. Blow our minds on what you can do, Lord, and do something in our time in Jesus' name.